Garza, who was one of the initial investors of Spotify. Um, and it was easier to get people that are acquaintances or people that were celebrities that were friends of mine to support it than people that I've known most of my life. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Crater. Today, we're interviewing somebody who is doing some really big things in the podcasting space, okay? Ashwin Jacob has a top five NASDAQ-rated podcast called New Hollywood, where he interviews some of the highest performers in their respective fields and really demonstrates, similar to what we're doing here on Young Smart Money, all of the different options that you have available to you to take advantage of as a young person. Today, what he talks about primarily in this interview is his relationship because a lot of his business has been built on relationships, okay? He's working with some of the top performers across their industry, some of the biggest Instagram accounts, some of the biggest YouTubers, some of the biggest Facebook pages uh, in the game. And he talks about how he was able to build that network and some of the skills that you need if you wanna go in there and really develop the people that you surround yourself with and really make sure that they're bringing you to that next level. He also talks a lot about the concept of cool and like what makes something cool and how you can actually engineer something to be cool and to, to sort of be trendy, which is something that he does a lot with the clients that he works with. And then we also hit on podcasting because he's doing, because he's putting out some very high quality content on the podcasting side of things with New Hollywood as well. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Ashwin on to the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money. Ashwin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Apple? I am doing just fantastic. So Ashwin, for our listeners that aren't familiar with you and what you're up to right now, can you give us a quick like 60 second intro as to what you are doing right now? Cool. So I generally like to say I'm a life enthusiast because I'm enthused by everything that I do. <laughs> I'm also the host of New Hollywood, which is a NASDAQ top five podcast. I've ran multiple companies with celebrities, assisting them with everything from creative strategy development. I also help other podcast market to get in the top 100 generally, as well as overall expand their awareness across traditional media. Amazing. So you're doing a lot of different things right now, honing in on the creative side. Yeah, man. I really love the creative and the strategy side of uh, business. And I've been very fortunate enough to work with a lot of different capacities, everything from fashion, retail, tech, e-com. Uh, to a lot of these big celebrity deals, which have been like a really amazing opportunity. Dang. And you're, you're working with some pretty big names. Can you toss out like a couple names that our listeners might know? Yes. Yeah, so I was a head of talent for a couple of different companies over the past couple of years. Okay. Uh, so I've represented everybody from Carol Owens uh, in the NFL. I've worked with Gabby Hanna, who's a big YouTuber and Viner. I've managed Jody Steele. She was one of the largest Facebook pages. Dang. As well as uh, Danny Noe and Dominic DeAngelis. Dang. Dude, those yeah. are some big, those are some big names. Yeah, it's been really a fortunate blessing to be able to work with extremely talented people, uh, because when you're working with extremely talented people, it allows you to be able to demonstrate what you're able to do as well. A hundred percent, and just building up that network is is really essential. Uh, so I want to bounce back to life enthusiast for a second. When did you start identifying with that term? Because it's one that I I really like, and I'm starting to resonate with it already. Um, so so talk to me about how that originated. So for me, it was about seven months ago. Okay. Um, I had a good job. I was making great money. I was having my own businesses on the side and I wasn't really happy, you know, mm. uh, because money doesn't define happiness. No. What defines happiness is really being fulfilled, making a meaningful impact on other people. Mm -hmm. So I kind of identified that for so long in my life and the life of all of my friends, it's, Oh, what do you do? It's one of the first questions you ask somebody when you meet them. Yeah. Why does a job that they do to survive define who a person is as a person? So mm. I changed my guiding principles to really be around my three core pillars, which are influence, impact, and legacy. And being a life enthusiast is waking up on a Monday morning and being pumped about what you do. Because if you really want to do something, if you want to be great at something, um, you're going to be happier regardless of where you're at right now. And regardless of the time it takes to become successful, you'll be much more likely to persevere, to keep a positive attitude. And for me, it was, I wanted to be like Diddy when I was in high school. I saw him on TV. I saw him working in fashion, entertainment. And he was really impacting both culture and business. Um, and to do that, you really need a voice in yourself. I've worked for a lot of big names. I've worked with a lot of big brands. Uh, but ultimately, I never really invested up until recently in building out my own personal brand. 
beyond people knowing I'm the person with a lot of these people to having my own voice, having my own opinion and being able to leverage that to do something really positive is really cool. Hmm. That's, that's awesome. So was, was the main driver behind building your personal brand just to like break your identity from like your job into like what you're passionate about? Kind of, but not really. So it really was about having my own two legs. So instead of it being like, I want to work with Ashwin because he works with X and X celebrity or he's done this big brand thing is Ashwin brings value of his own. Um, And to be able to do something in a way that there's so many people out there that tell you that you can't do something. Mm. I was always told I would never have the level of success that I would, you know, I learned English in schools because my parents were first generation immigrants. Uh, and I was pretty much told my best case opportunity was mediocrity, you know, working nine to five and that would be it. And I never wanted to accept that, you know, for me, I didn't want to preserve the status quo. I wanted to overthrow it completely. Um, so I went out there and I was like, you know what, if my best case is average and I don't really have much to lose, why not just go for it? You know, if yeah. I want to be like Carson Daly and host a show, why not give it a shot? And uh, what's really amazing about the world that we live in today, as you know, is YouTube and podcasting gives you an opportunity to create your own content if you're willing to invest both the time and the money to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're willing to market it effectively, if you're willing to fail over and over and over until it hits, um, you can really demonstrate your own value with real numbers, with real statistics, with a real identification of what your creative looks like in action. Mm. Um, and that's the best way to get anyone to invest in you or work with you is show them that you're willing to do it on your own. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Did you have those entrepreneurial tendencies as, as a child? I know you said you were fighting against the status quo, but like, were you out there like hustling, selling candy bars and stuff? Dude, actually, I sold uh, pretty much anything I could get my hands on. <laughs> I sold candy bars uh, in elementary and middle school because it was contraband. So, yeah. realistically, I identified with economics without knowing what economics really were, which is whatever <laughs> you're not supposed to have, people will pay a premium for. So, I would buy candy bars from BJ's with my mom um, as like a snack for myself instead of eating them. I'd smuggle like, you know, a couple of them in a backpack, kind of like a old 1920s bootlegger to figure out different like commerce. And then I learned sometimes people wouldn't have money. So they'd trade something like a Pokemon card or mm. Pogs or something of value. And sometimes that would be worth more eventually <laughs> than the money would. Uh, but from there, I ended up selling everything from hall passes to IDs at one point uh, oh my all sorts of weird things but I think that is the real definition of entrepreneurship is finding a market need or finding a problem because people don't buy things that are just good for them people buy things that they want or yep. that are sexy or pretty or a need you know people like that edge Hmm. That's, that's very interesting that you were even thinking about those things at such a young age. Cause a lot of people, they're just like, they're going to school. They're the ones buying the candy bars instead of the ones selling the candy bars. So it's a, it's an interesting frame of mind. Yeah, dude. Um, I don't know for you, if there's anything that impacted you, but for me, movies and documentaries and TV had a big influence in the world that I wanted to build for myself. Hmm. I'd watch TV as a kid and I'd be like, Oh my God. Um, I don't really feel like I fit in where I'm from, but and I talked to the TV screen and I'd be like, if I knew that person, that person would be my friend. And it's really surreal to be living in a world that is that, you know, I work with some pretty notable names. I've been able to be involved in some pretty awesome projects, but what's really cool about it is I watched a documentary a long time ago on PBS called the marketing of cool. And mm-hmm. it was followed up later on by one called the uh, generation. Uh, I think it's me 2.0 or, something around social media. Uh, mm-hmm. But really the truth of it is, is cool is something that's engineered. Uh, mm-hmm. Building a relationship is something that can be taught. You know, Dale Carnegie wrote a book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, yeah. one of my favorite books. Um, and I was always a shy person growing up. And now I speak on stages at major conferences like Build Your Empire. I'm yeah. speaking in Omaha at uh, Berkshire Hathaway weekend. Wow. Really, really cool uh, to be a part of. And, I want to teach other people to do that. And that's where, um, after hosting the show, I got into, you know, writing my first book, which I'm in the process of right now. 
in doing personal coaching with people on helping them achieve their goals, which is really a bespoke process, uh, which was outlined initially for me in like, you know, marketing of cool. I was like, wow, how cool would it be to work in the business of deciding what is cool? And essentially that is at a very macro level what I do. I engineer strategies to get people to resonate, get people to identify and really adapt a practice or a style or something unique or to share content that a creator or celebrity creates. And uh, right now I'm in a very precarious situation, which is awesome and scary at the same time, is I'm no longer just consulting for a brand or a celebrity. I'm consulting with myself as the face of my own brand, working with individual clients one-on-one and really driving those results for myself. Hmm. That's really, that's really interesting. So talk to me, talk to me about what, what is cool and like, what are, what are the driving factors that you're looking at when you're trying to like engineer cool? So, I mean, for me, honestly, it's not really that much of a process, Okay. Uh, but what I'm working on is engineering a set of principles and guidelines and take people through a module of understanding both what is cool, but effectively how to market. Uh, so depending on what your product is or what niche you're trying to hit, identify that. Uh, where a lot of people mess up is I am, or my product is the solution for everyone Hmm. or, okay. When I ask you, if you're a tech company, how do you adapt, uh, critical mass users? Oh, it's not about how everyone, everyone's going to be there at some point. It's just about getting the the biggest names and the biggest things on there or the biggest companies on there. And quite frankly, that's not true. It is literally about making that one-to-one connection at the very minute level. Because if I am coaching you, Apple, and you get results, Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to tell anyone. In most cases, if it's an average result, you're not going to talk about it. But if you get an exceptional experience, you'll talk about it. But if you get a somewhat bad or a slightly bad experience, you're going to tell everybody. That's (laughs) how we work. You know, a bad experience you're going to tell everyone about. A good to moderate experience is just, eh, you're not going to really notice it. But an amazing experience, you can really drive your business forward. So for me, my business has been purely referral-based as opposed to marketing-based. And the second part is really getting that mindset down. So one of the things I tell people is if you want to connect with people at the highest levels, focus on genuine relationships with the people around you now. Because you can message someone that's larger than you uh, or much bigger or someone that you find aspirational and they might get back, they might not. But if you invest in the people around you and you broadcast your intentions and what your goals are, and you also try and find value for other people with what you have, they're more likely to help you out. Because you never know. There's a kid that you're in a class with that might be one or two degrees of separation from someone that you want to get on your podcast. They might be able to help set you up with the right internship or job opportunity or partnership. But they'll never know unless you make the effort to get to know them and figure out what they're looking for and see what you can do to help them out as well as sharing your dreams. And I think we live in a society where we're so busy posting about how awesome and successful all of us are that no one puts themselves in a vulnerable state. No No one puts them in a state that we want to connect. And realistically, uh, one of the exercises I do at every one of my speaking events is I make people get out of the seat that they're in, go to another random seat and talk to the people that are to the right, the left behind and in front of them. Odds are, uh, almost every time, five to 35 to 50 people have came up to me um, saying that, oh my God, I just closed the deal because of that exercise you made us do. <laughs> because we end up in that pattern that we're like, oh, I don't want to close my hands off and yep. I don't want to try and talk to anyone because yep. that person might not want to talk to me. Uh, but realistically, if you are at a party, for example, you're there to socialize. You're not there to stand in the corner. <laughs> and we all end up doing that. It's like if I go with a friend or if someone goes with a friend, they're going to most likely just talk to their friend and not make too many proactive efforts to reach out to someone or if someone snuffs them or doesn't really want to talk to them. They get hurt by it. Uh, and then they're just closed realistically, out. Yeah. yeah. And then you get scared and you're like, oh, I'm not going to try again. But if you just keep opening doors and just being positive and being friendly, you're going to connect with the right people as long as you don't have an expectation for something to happen. Oh, I really like how you hit on that because a lot of people go into relationships having that expectation of like, all right, I want to get this out of this person or I want to 
work with this person so that I can leverage it to do this. But like, like you said, like networking with the people that are already around you is a great way to get started because you're not going into those relationship expectations. You already are somewhat familiar with them and, and you're not trying to just like see what they can do for you. I think that's, I think that's really big. It's super key. It's like, I genuinely ask a lot of questions to random people that I come into contact with because I'm curious. Yeah. I just want to know stuff and I want to like learn stuff about different things. And what's really weird is, um, is people would always ask, like, why do you ask these people these sort of things? But then when they'd see me run into other people, if I asked you five questions about Wisconsin, where you're mm-hmm. from, and then somehow randomly, odds are I live in Los Angeles, it's one of the most populous cities in the country. Eventually, at some point, I'm going to run into someone from Wisconsin. Yeah. And then knowing a couple of these things, going to make them feel more at ease. Um, and it's little things, dude. It's the littlest things that make people like you and honestly majority of time it's just taking a genuine interest in another person as a human being 100 mm. because i mean that's not what the majority of people are doing no most people are just looking for what can you do for me yep and that is the extent of a relationship uh whereas i don't think that's what life is about life is not about no. just working so that we can buy stuff and come home nuke the dinner walk the <laughs> dog and watch the tv um uh, it's about connecting with people in a meaningful way because you look at our hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which Mm -hmm. I think is very, very important for all of us to understand. The base level is your physical safety. Next thing is a need for connection at a personal, like a friendship level, but also at an intimacy level. Um, And most people struggle with that because we grew up watching TV shows like Friends and Seinfeld where people hang out with the same friends every day. And realistically, Mm -hmm. after high school and college, most people don't see their friends unless they live with them every single day. In fact, it's rare to see most of your friends in a week. Uh, and we have this ideal of that's what friendship looks like, uh, which makes us all sad about the state of our relationships. But if we take the effort to try and schedule a dinner every couple of days, maybe once a week, you know, you'll feel much more connected. If we take the onus or the responsibility to organize an activity, whether it be a beach day or a volunteer day or a adventure day, uh, you'll be so much happier. I recently had the opportunity to take five of my friends with me to Kind Festival, which was a festival hosted by Mike Tyson. Um, and it was an amazing experience. We drove out there from LA towards Palm Springs, which is about two hours uh, into the desert. But those are the experiences that we really cherish the most. It's not about these big accomplishments. It's about just spending time with people that you care about. Mm. Um, And I think that's a big part of business too is business can be done with anyone. There's so many people that you can work with on any perspective deal, but who do you want to work with? Who is an enjoyable person to bring into your life? Who can you have a good conversation with? I think those little intrinsic factors that, are unquantifiable make a massive difference. Like the way that your staff treats other people that come in and out of your office, having people that generally smile at other people is going to improve their mood. They're much more happy to be there. Whereas if they feel like it's a cold callous experience, they're not going to be happy about it. And too often we end up in conversations with people that just want to talk about how awesome they are and not really care about the other person's emotions or their feelings or their needs or their wants. And that's ultimately what a relationship is. It's a given pull. hundred percent. How do you, how do you balance the time that you spend investing in your relationships and the time that you spend investing in your business? I know obviously there's a lot of overlap between those two things, but for me personally, it can be kind of tricky to pull myself away from whatever project I'm working on to be like mindfully have that like beach day where we drive out for a couple hours and and spend a couple hours at the beach and then drive back. Like that's, that's, that's something that's a little bit tricky for me. So how do you mentally balance those things? I try, uh, which I'm working at getting back into is I've always had assistance, which has been a big thing in my career. Uh, when you come from an entertainment background, it's the nature of it. You learn through an apprenticeship prep program. Mm -hmm. So I've had between one to three assistants at any given point, uh, since I was 19 years old. Um, so that's about 11 years. Um, and now I'm in the process of like doing my own thing as a personality brand, lecturing and touring. Um, so I'm in the position that I'm doing it for myself. 
Uh, so it's enacting my own principles that I used to have and trying to hold myself more accountable each day um, and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. So I used to schedule things within a 15 minute uh, break in between each thing. Mm-hmm. But with LA and with things, or if you get a call at the wrong time, that 15 minute break can disappear and you have no gap. Uh, so I try and factor in a 30 minute gap if I'm commuting between locations or a 15 minute gap between phone calls to handle getting snack, handle drinking a glass of water, taking a little mental break. Uh, but it's also putting in time to relax on your calendar. Mm. If I want to hang out with a friend for two hours, I'm going to block off seven to nine for dinner. If we're going to grab dinner, we'll block off seven to nine. Uh, I'm probably going to count for 30 minutes of travel both ways. Um, and I'm going to put my phone away. And honestly, I am one of those people that like my phone, um, I get anywhere between 300 to 500 text messages a day. Um, and I spend anywhere between 20 to 40 hours a week on phone calls, wow. uh, which is very, very high call volume and very, very high communication. That's not even factoring in Instagram emails and all of that stuff, um, which is extremely stressful. Like there are days that I'll be like, Oh my God, I need to do that. And then I came to the realization that most stuff doesn't really matter because if it's something of high importance, most people will hit you up again. Mm. Uh, ultimately I do want to get to the point that I'm responding to everything in the same day. Yeah. Uh, but with emails, I'm trying to make it so that I check it once a day, sit down for a block of period of time and just focus purely on emails mm. and focus purely on text messages. There's things that you need to respond to throughout the day, but I'm trying to make it so that it's a little bit more regimented and it's more of a process and that there's time built in for life. Uh, two things I used to do were I want to look at my phone for the first hour every day. I haven't been doing that recently. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to get back into that process, wake up, uh, get a workout in and do some meditation. I think it's very important to take time for self love, self care. Hmm. Uh, because if you take that 15 to 20 minutes a day, um, and you can download simple apps like calm or headspace, you're going to be more productive. Because we don't take the time to breathe. Like this weekend, I went to a uh, breathwork workshop with a a shaman where there's also sound bath incorporated. And uh, it was really amazing to feel connected to a lot of other people because realistically, we don't feel connected that often in a meaningful way. We don't share a sense of intimacy. I don't mean that in a romantic sense. I mean that in a human connection sense with people most days. And it's crazy. Like, why can't you open the door uh, and be happy for someone? Like, one of the things I try and do is, I feel like saying to someone, like, if I pass by you, I'm like, oh, he's a cool bandana. I'm like, oh, that's a cool bandana. Or I like your hat. Or your dog is adorable. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people sometimes actually get mad when you give them just a compliment and continue walking on with your day. Really? Uh, or people are like, why would you say that? Or why would you do that? But realistically, there's so many people that, if you tell them that you like their hat or if you thought their dog was adorable, that is going to make their day. Like I yeah. would love when I lived in Boston, I took my little Chewini Lola out to the Boston Commons. <laughs> like, oh my God, this dog is so cute. I'm literally going to die <laughs> It make me happy or make her happy. Um, getting the attention and getting petted by like different people. And I think those little things make such a meaningful difference in our days. Mm. A hundred percent. Yeah. And just taking like the two seconds to give someone a compliment because like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like they get like upset, but like, honestly, who's going to get upset when you give them a compliment? Like just, I, I really like thinking about things in terms of worst case scenarios and just like minimizing that worst case scenario to like the most or like the least daunting thing. Because like, if you give someone a compliment, like the best case scenario is like, you just made their day worst case scenario. They're like, who are you? And it's like, you're never going to see that person again. Like, why do you care? Why do you care what they think about you? Well, actually, what the really funny thing is, in most cases, most of your relationships are really a relationship with yourself. So if you go on a date with someone new, mm-hmm. uh, up to the first five dates, about approximately 50% of the stuff you think about that person is stuff in your own head. What do you mean by that? You've just projected something onto that other person. Huh. At that period of time, usually you don't know that person well enough to know what their intentions are or what their behavior is. You're just assuming a best case or a worst case scenario predicated on previous experiences with other people uh, because our minds are wired for survival. Yeah. Uh, and the human brain is wired to solve problems. We're constantly 
looking for problems. Uh, I read an amazing book by Mark Manson called The uh, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an amazing book because it hits a really amazing theory in it for me, which is we spend so much time worrying. Whereas the worry about certain things is so minimal. Like people worry every day that they're going to oh. lose their job. There are a lot of jobs out there. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be okay, ultimately. Uh, and we have safeguards and things in place. As long as you're a decent person and you do all right by people, you're going to be okay. And we spend too much of our lives worrying about these worst case scenarios. Whereas most yeah. of these worst case scenarios aren't going to be something that you think about a hour a day or maybe even a week into the future after that thing happening. Mm. And like people get up in their heads about what, what they think other people are thinking. Mm. And a lot of times what I find is just people don't care as much as you think they do. Like if you are worried that somebody is like breathing down your neck because you haven't like reached out to them in a little bit or that they are upset about something like just Nine times out of 10, I find people don't care as much as you think they do. And it's never as big a deal to the other person as like you're making it out to be in your own head. So I, I think just like stepping back and, and not caring so much, not, not not caring so much, but just not taking things and making things into more of an issue than they are has been something that's been really beneficial for me and just allowing me to maintain better relationships, honestly. It's really about flowing. We are never in a state of flow now. It's putting a big predication on once I have this thing, I will be happy. Mm. Or once this person loves me, I will be happier. Once this person's my friend, I'm going to be able to do this next thing. Whereas you need to flow. Like you need to be present in the now because what happened an hour ago is already done. That's in the past. And the future, that's something that you're never going to get to. All you have is the minute, the second that we're in right now being fully present with it and really just enjoying your journey, man. Like I think that's the key to business. It's the key to life. It's the key to being cool is being where you're at, being content with it and not putting a big onus on like what's going to happen. And another thing is, is a lot of times people are like, Oh my God, this person's treating me badly or they're not, uh, you know, treating me in a way that I feel like I'm accepted or I feel like I'm cared for. Mm -hmm. Get them out of your life. Mm. Life is that simple. We spend so much time putting ourselves in cases of voluntary trauma that we subject ourselves to such agony. Whereas you can literally avoid most people in your life if you want to avoid them. And you can replace them with things that bring and people that bring joy to your life or encourage you to do what you want to do. You know, when I left a steady job, when I left a business model that was working to focus on the personal brand, to focus on hosting, being a personality, getting on screen, a lot of people were not supportive. But then, you know, I ended up getting new Hollywood on the top 100. I've had a lot of big notable guests. Like I had Tiny Lister, who's a star in Friday. I've had Cynthia Carmona, who's a actress and a lead in like two different shows, Isla's High. Uh, the Greenhouse Academy, and now David Ayer's film, The Tax Collector, across from Shia LaBeouf and George Lopez, to big names in the business world like Peter Marco, uh, which is a really cool thing, or Fam Merza, who's one of the initial investors of Spotify. Um, and it was easier to get people that are acquaintances or people that were celebrities that were friends of mine to support it than people that I've known most of my life. And I think that's true for everyone, regardless of how big or how small your aspiration is. The people closest to you oftentimes are not going to support it because they have an idea of who you are. And you have to project the idea of who you are in your own mind uh, with idea, with a realistic idea of what your self uh, skill level is or self-assessment to accurately be what you are. But to take that risk, to jump, you're going to get hurt on the way. but. I think it's the best part about life is taking that risk and seeing if you can make what you want happen. hundred percent, man. I could listen to you talk mindset for like days, dude. I'm just like, I'm, I'm eating this up, dude. You are dropping some serious value here. And there's a lot of things that I'm gonna need to go back and like digest again, because like just so many, like the way that you think is very interesting to me and the way that you um, like think about how other people move through life is, is something that, 
I'm, I'm very, I'm very intrigued by. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm really, I'm really interested. I'm really intrigued. Dude, I, I'm really happy about that because like for a long time, like if someone was mad at me, if they'd yell at me about something, um, I would take that really, really hard. And now do you know what I say? Um, I tell people not that I'm sorry. I say, I'm sorry that you feel that way because sometimes someone needs a bad guy, uh, to take out their frustrations on yeah. it you need to ultimately like if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to employ other people and you're going to have other people risk the most valuable thing, which isn't their money or their livelihood. It's their time on you. You need to be willing to accept anything that is bad. So if one of my people mess up something, it's my fault to do something great. That's on them. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately all we can do is give other people a chance to demonstrate their value, their skill set, and their value, uh, the value that they bring to others. Yeah. Uh, but when they mess up, you have to take accountability for it. And sometimes it's just better to be whoever someone needs you to be. Um, it's, it's like a quote, a meme that we've all we've seen on Instagram, which is, you ask one person, I'm an angel. You ask one person, I'm a devil. You ask one person, I'm loyal. You ask another person, a snake. Everything is really true. And I think that's where most people mess up is that everything is multidimensional. And that's all we are. Everything good that you do for someone or anything good that I can do for you gets passed on eventually back to me. It might not come back from you. It might come from someone else. But if I do something that is rude or mean to you at some point, subconsciously, regardless of how good of a human being you are, you will take it out on other people in your life because energy just flows. It's never created or destroyed. And that will eventually flow back towards you. So to being more proactive and deliberate when people do something bad to you, realizing internalizing letting that out um in a way that you're not hurting other people and focusing on providing more positive vibrations Mm -hmm. Uh, because that makes a big difference you know how you feel when you're around positive people you know you feel when you're around negative people so one of the biggest things i tell people a lot of times is if you have struggled with where you're at if you're a client of mine you're like hey uh, i've been struggling Uh, i've been doing my entrepreneur thing it's not really working out not really able to connect with people. Uh, one of the first things I'm going to ask is like, where do you live? And then you're going to tell me, I live with family or I live with friends. Like, okay, are they supportive of it? And oftentimes you have family and friends that you know most of your life won't be as supportive as people that don't know you because they have an idea of who you were. Um, and the idea of who you were is harder to break with people that have known you your whole life or in your hometown or in your home state. Uh, whereas if you leave and you go to somewhere different where people don't know you, even though we have things like social media, you can reinvent yourself to become the person that you want to be easier in a new environment and change your status quo. You have a better shot at becoming who you want to be. As long as you're doing it for the right reasons and to make your impact or to be able to make your difference. Uh, but every time when I've, the only times I've ever had a client fail at what they're trying to do completely is instead of focusing on where they're at with their business, they try and impress someone from their past or try and just do it in their hometown. Uh, and that is the biggest place that you are going to fail because those people didn't accept you back then. And I think it's really highlighted really well in one of my favorite films, which is just friends. Ryan Reynolds character is fat and he's not happy and everyone kind of rejects him. He moves to Hollywood. He becomes this big power player. He goes back to his hometown as a power player who tries to hit on the best friend that he had in high school who always had him in the friend zone and he keeps messing up like he did back when he was mm-hmm. in high school. Our minds are going to still go revert back when you're around those people to being who they expect you to be. And that's one of the things that will scare people and they'll be like, I don't understand why this is still happening here. And you'll lash out at other people, but it's really separating yourself from your environment because your environment does dictate a lot of how you're going to be a, or even how successful you can ultimately be uh, because you have more roadblocks. And why are you going to put yourself in that sort of thing? It's like, if I asked you to do a hundred yard dash, would you rather do a hundred yard dash at a track? Would you like to do it over glass or would you like to do it over like an active war zone where there might be explosives under your legs? That is what you're doing a lot of times when you're putting yourself back in that hostile environment or going back to that hometown to try and show them what you become. If you're putting yourself in a hostile environment, you have so much more risk or danger unnecessarily without a marginal decrease. So it's separating your emotions and ego from what you need to do to have the most impact. 
which is hard to do. It's very easy to say, but it's very, very hard to do because a lot of times people are like, they become successful because they have a chip on their block. And I'm a big believer in, if you hear me speak or if you see me somewhere and people are like, oh my God, you must have such great self-confidence. You just really love yourself. I'm like, no, that's something that I work on is loving myself and having value for myself. I have a very sense, high sense of confidence because I've been able to demonstrate value. I've been able to hit these big benchmarks. I've been able to do these really cool deals. But I think that idea of self-esteem and self-worth is very different. And I find that people that are highly aspirational, people that are successful come from backgrounds like mine where they were told that they wouldn't have this sort of opportunity to become that. And I think that's a big driving factor for a lot of highly successful people is they want to aspire past what they were told they could be. And I think that's beautiful. I don't think we should hate on that. It's not a negative reasoning. It's just how we work. We all have different motivators. It's finding out what motivates you to be successful. A hundred percent, man, you've been dropping so much value. I, I, I really appreciate it. One thing that I want to hit on right now is a bit of a pivot, but I want to hop into sort of yeah. your podcasting. Yeah. And, and how you've been able to grow that to, to now what is the top five NASDAQ rated bit, uh, podcast. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what made you want to go down the podcasting route with your personal brand? So podcasting, it's a very affluent demographic generally. Hmm. People that are listening to podcasts are generally a bit more intelligent. Uh, there's a lot of younger people that are getting into it. And for me, it was the equivalent. I wanted to be Carson Daly, dude. And <laughs> I was always told that, you know, I wouldn't hit that larger demographic. I'm an Indian male. There are a billion people that look like me. Uh, but if you look at us in media, we're constantly asexualized. Uh, that means we're never the interest. Mm. Um, if you are a Indian male or a black woman, you have the least likelihood of getting a match on a dating app. Um, unless you are clearly showing that you have more affluence or a sense of fame. Um, and I think realistically, there's so many stereotypes that are built into looking how I look as opposed to the character of who I am or what I do. You know, I've worked mostly in entertainment. If you, you follow my social media page, I'm at cool events. I work with really big brands. I do a lot of interesting stuff. But what's funny to me is when I show up at that door, regardless of even sometimes at my own event or my own party, I know I'm going to get harassed by that door person because they work other doors. And the person that looks like me is usually not on that list. Uh, so the reason I'm doing it for a big factor is I was told I couldn't. And I couldn't hit that demo. So if I couldn't get on national TV and I couldn't get on cable networks and I couldn't be that person because that's not what society viewed me as, I was going to pay my own narrative. I was going to take that risk. I was going to work with an amazing team of producers and editors to film and make the content. Um, and then I work with some awesome friends on social media to help me figure out how to cut shots. And I'm learning new stuff about how to make a thumbnail better for my YouTube page. Uh, but I have an amazing business partner too that works on digital optimization and ad campaigns, um, as well as, you know, helping me fulfill the strategy and components. So what we were able to do is build these awesome promo trailers, have the guests authentically promote it. Uh, but we've also been able to figure out how to build our database. So I have an amazing email list, uh, that helps promote other podcasts as well, because it's not just about my own growth. It's about other people's growth as well. Uh, so my agency, New Hollywood, we work with amazing podcasts to help them not only be able to figure out how to market, but figure out what assets they need to build. And if they can't build them, we have teams that we can outsource or recommend to build better cover pages, to help build better thumbnails, to help edit, help cut, to help share, help promote what's going on. And I think that really allows it, the basics of the fundamentals to be set in place. Then once those things are set in place, we start experimenting with the targets and the audiences that a certain podcast might hit. Then we figure out a way to get people to engage with it, how to get people to rate it, how to get people to leave a comment, how to get distribution through a network of in-niche social media accounts to drive awareness and drive habit-forming behavior. Uh, ultimately, I can't make any podcast be amazing, mm -hmm. but what I am able to do is I can help narrow it down, help marginally improve it um, each episode or over the course of that engagement to drive more listeners, to create more awareness, to help figure out what the appropriate media angle is so that you can get coverage around what you're doing. For me, it was my story. I moved to LA with $500, a leaking air mattress, 
and I wanted to be successful and everyone told me I could not. And they were like, yo, you don't dress the right way. You don't come from the right background. Um, and I willed my success. I forced it to happen because I believed so passionately that I could do this, that I was willing to risk my last dollar to take these coffee meetings, take people to lunches, uh, to sacrifice other areas of my life. I didn't have a TV in my bedroom until a year after I moved to Los Angeles because that was 500 to $1,000 that could be used for other things that would incrementally improve my business. Even after I was somewhat successful in my business, I withheld that reward because I wanted to invest that back into what I was doing. And with the podcast, I've been able to take what I do as a personal coach for individuals, a strategist for large companies, and be able to share a bit of that with an audience for free. Uh, because the ones that can't afford it right now, if they can take that value and they can get their business to a level that they're sustaining and that they are thriving, they're going to remember that they got a lot of value from this. So that person's going to want to engage me. And even if that person can't engage me right now, they might engage or tell other people that can to reach out to me for a consult, to book me as a consultant for them. Uh, because my business is very much so high tickets between five to $100,000 monthly contracts that we do um, for anything from an individual person to a business to coaching uh, to helping podcasts. Uh, figure out how to be able to outperform other ones as well as how to share the story in such a way or come up with the right titles to make it pop, uh, which I think is the biggest thing is figuring out how you communicate to other people. And I think that's something that myself and the team that I have are amazing at. Uh, and we've worked with some of the largest podcasts in the business, helping them figure out how to market because Ultimately, we are not the reason that they are successful in their own right. It takes an intrinsic level of value, commitment, skill, and dollars invested to become a successful podcast. But what we can do is we can help engineer some of those early factors to drive awareness, adoption, and critical mass uh, to be able to test what's working and what's not working. Mm. 100%. And with like hundreds of thousands of podcasts being out there, what are some of the key factors that you see separating the ones that end up being successful in the ones that you see fizzling out and dying? One is content planning. Okay. So I'm 12 episodes ahead at any given point oh, yep, at least. for my podcast. For sure. For sure. I release ideally, I'm trying to get better at my scheduling, which is releasing and getting the editing team uh, in place so that it's releasing on the same days at the same time each mm -hmm. week, as well as having the guests share and promote their episodes um, because it's of mutual value to anyone to share their own story. Yeah. Uh, which is really, really cool. But it's also being able to figure out what audience you truly hit. Hmm. I know my audience is not going to probably realistically be tween girls interested in like the next teenage heartthrob. Like that's <laughs> not the demo that I'm going after. I'm going yeah. after the teenager or the kid or the adult that is either starting their business looking for inspiration looking to learn about different career paths or looking to learn from highly successful people. So the concept in new Hollywood is Hollywood is a city built on relationships. It's a lot of unlikely people that formed unusual alliances. My logo is a coyote howling at the moon because coyotes survive in the wild, in the city, they're omnivores, they work in packs, they work alone, which is how you have to be to be successful in Hollywood. But, but it's not just Hollywood now. Hollywood is what's in my hand right here on my phone. Mm. It's my screen. It's what size are you looking at? How are you communicating? Is it an email? Is it written? There's a lot of different mediums that we're communicating in. And I want to showcase everything. And I want to not work in that world that I grew up in, which is everything is a secret, but in a world of full transparency, because my honest to God belief is the more you share, the more you give, the more you help someone level up, the more you're going to get ultimately. Uh, because I went from, you know, working with large corporations and having large businesses um, and you know, now I manage my own team. So a lot of that opportunity goes towards the team and the vendors eating before I eat. And then for the podcast, that was a passion project. It still kind of is a bit of a passion project, uh, until it gets to the level that I need it to be, to be a full out production. Um, and my goal was big cause I come from traditional entertainment is make it much larger, have very high production value. I film at a studio, we have a team, um, and I really am willing to sacrifice to make that happen. 
Uh, and ultimately, a lot of times things are done on favors because I'm able to trade something with someone that has a finite skill that's an editor or that's a graphic designer that can do something cool and help them in another area of their business with something that we're not trading money anymore. And ultimately, that's what we all really do is trading value. And I think that's what the podcast really hits really well is how do you trade value? How do you stop going from I don't have enough money to compete to how do I start in a small way? How do I get my foot in that door? How do I start building that confidence? Because it takes time. Nothing is overnight. Samuel Goldwyn said it uh, really well, which is I can turn anyone into an overnight star. Just give me five to 10 years, <laughs> which is the truth, man. And yeah. it's not necessarily about what we see in this day and age of there's two types of entrepreneurs. One is look at me. I'm super successful and it happened overnight. The other type is you're going to struggle and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to struggle. and It's going to be awesome. One is, do you want to struggle that much? Do you need it that much? Um, in growing up, entrepreneurship wasn't as sexy as it is today. Now everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, whereas realistically it is not sexy. It means you are unemployed. That means you don't have revenue coming in. You are trying to figure out how to make your rent until that business or that line item is working. And I've had lots of ups and downs. I've gone from being very affluent to being broke, to being affluent, to being middle class, to being poor again, and going up and down, up and down. And there's a lot of cycles in business until you figure out how to create those multiple streams of income. How do you manage your time effectively and keep a life? Uh, but ultimately, for me personally, I care about that impact. I care about having a legacy. I care about impacting the lives of other people more than I do about being comfortable in a day-to-day -day life. I don't want to live an average mm -hmm. life. I want to live something where I'm making a massive impact and I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to struggle. I'm willing to look like a fool to make that happen. And I think that is one of the biggest things. And there's little things that you'll find out. Like in a lot of my early episodes of my podcast, when I initially filmed, I wasn't watching each of the week episodes the same week that I filmed. So there's a set of about five episodes or so that I say the phrase, that's a trip. Way, way too much. <laughs> it's almost like every like five to 10 minutes, I'll say, oh my God, that's a trip. It's a filler word. It's something that I use in just casual conversation, which can mean it's really awesome or it's really bad. Uh, and now I'm more proactive in being aware of saying that's a trip or that's gnarly or little filler words and being more deliberate in the words that I say, because there's a lot more communication skills that can be improved on, but doesn't mean that that episode is bad because there's a lot of value in other areas. It just means there is something that you can improve on. And I think that's everything in life. You can have a million dollar business, but that could be a $1.5 million business. It's just being open towards taking that criticism and getting marginally better each time. And that's the true measure of success. And that's what my team really drives out in a podcast is within that first month, you are going to see enough noticeable difference in how your podcast performs. Um, it's the same thing with like any of my personal clients. It's we're going to drive down. We're going to have a lot of brutal discussions about what you want to do and the why. Because initially when I ask you why you want to do something, that's not the real answer of why. No. I'm ask you why again. And then you're going to tell me the answer that you think I'm looking for. I'm going <laughs> ask you why again. And you're going to try and get a little bit more honest. And then the seventh or 10th time, you'll finally get to an idea of what your motivators are for each of the things that we're trying to accomplish. We're going to take some steps. They're going to be brutal. It's not going to immediately pay off, but you will notice that you're building a solid foundation. You'll start improving and you'll be able to do much more by being held accountable. It's like being a personal trainer for people's businesses. And I think that's really the coolest part about what I get to do is I get to become a meaningful part about other people's businesses because I'm not personally invested in it. Mm. I can help them because I am motivated by the compensation that I'm getting and creating the value that they're going to be able to do an amazing job. But for me, it's not just that client doing well. It's that client is the best opportunity for me to create lifetime value with other clients. Because if I do a good job for you right now, I help you with your podcast, right? I help you with your business. You're going to tell a couple of people. Yeah. Then you're going to refer a couple of other people. And then what I've been able to do, which is really awesome, is the highest rate of conversion in business where a lot of people mess up is we all have greed. So if I can make $10 selling a candle and the candle costs me 
$5. I have a $5 profit. Mm-hmm. Now, if I sell you a candle, you like it, you keep buying candles from me. Eventually, you're for one of your friends. And you're like, hey, I have another friend. I can take the $5 and have a second customer that's paying me $5 and have my regular profit. Be like, oh my God, that's really awesome that you sent me that customer. Here, let me give you 50 cents out of my $5, right? 50 cents isn't a massive amount of my profits. It's, it's a little, it's, but it's not a small amount either. You know, $5, 50 cents, yeah. that's approximately, you know, um, it's not 10%. Yeah, 10%. Yeah, 10%. It's about 10%. Um, and what's really cool about that is you're going to be like, oh, I got 50 cents and I'm able to bring value to my other friend. Oh, I might have three or four other friends. Mm-hmm. Then eventually, once you get a right amount of friends, you're not paying for your candle anymore as long as they're buying more candles. And for me, I'm making, instead of $5, $4.50 on that new customer. The cost of acquiring the customer is $0.50. Cents. But the lifetime mm. value of you working with me is still higher because you're more incentivized to keep buying candles for me because you're getting something back. It's a mutual exchange of value. Uh, so what we do is, you know, after we work with a client, um, we ask them, you know, are you happy with these results? Do you know anyone that these results can bring value for? And then they can either pick if they want compensation back or if they want us to discount their services. Hmm. Um, which makes sense, dude, because if you're able to bring me 10 other clients that are paying that same fee, why wouldn't I want to not make as much money on you? Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, like, why wouldn't I want to take a little bit of a loss to get an exponential gain? It's not a dollar earned as a dollar earned. It's how can you work easier? How can you work smarter? Mm. Because it's harder for me to close someone that I don't know or have any of my sales guys close someone that I don't know. The best person to close in any business is someone else that already buys or respects that product. When a friend takes you to a restaurant, you have a better mindset going into it. That person is co-signing. They're giving their authority stamp against it. And the highest rate of conversion in any business is still direct selling, which is person-to-person selling. Uh, and being able to incorporate that into my businesses and both at the coaching and with the podcast services that we do is massive. 100%. Do a good job by the next person. They are going to recommend this to all of their other friends. Or if someone mentions that, they're aware that we're able to help them with that. And I think that is such a major, major development in uh, mindset that you can leverage to really crush it, to knock it out of the park, is incentivize and align your goals with that of your customers. Is if my goal is to make the most money possible and your goal is to get the most value possible, our goals are never really in line. Whereas if my goal is to also deliver the most value at a moderate price, Mm-hmm. enough so that you were able to justify the value that you're receiving, you're more likely to do that. So it's finding those yep. win-win situations. Something that's more 100%. of a exchange. hundred percent. If you guys, if you guys didn't fully digest those last five minutes, rewind, take some notes because Ashwin just dropped some serious, serious value right there. We're going to hop into some of the questions that I like to ask all of my guests right now, before we wrap up the show, are you feeling ready for it? I'm excited, man. I'm ready. Awesome. 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 So the first of which is what are you excited about right now? And this could be something in your business, in the wider realm of entrepreneurship, uh, but just what's something that's going on in your world right now that you're excited about? Well, I am really excited to share with everyone the new Hollywood podcast. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. We have some amazing guests ranging from celebrities, business people, lifestyle. Uh, We're also in the process of writing our first book, which is called New Hollywood, No Secrets, which is an amazing book around key principles shared by guests that have been on my show, as well as more of my acting endeavors, which has been really amazing being on screen and being able to bring joy into the lives of other people. Mm. Um, The two big things business-wise that I'm really excited with are working with the right podcasts and the right businesses to help them hit their critical mass and working with the right personal coaching clients to really help them live the life of their dreams and better connect with people. Um, another really cool thing that's coming in the future is an e-learning course around relationship management and another one on the art of being cool, Hmm. uh, which is something that's so valuable because everyone wants to be socially accepted. Everyone wants to have better relationships. And that is something that I can 
definitely help anyone at any skill level marginally or exponentially improve at depending on the level of commitment and work that they're willing to put into their relationships and into the life that they want to live. Mm, 100%, 100%. Uh, what habits do you have that have served you particularly well? These could be business or lifestyle related. I think it's authentically caring about people. Mm. I'm an empath. I genuinely love other human beings. Um, and a big part of why I'm in entertainment is I love to be loved. So caring about the people that come into my life authentically and genuinely is big. Like I remember people's birthdays. Mm. I send a personal text message. I remember little things that people are interested in. I try and send them an invite to things around that. And I think those little things are very, very key. Um, other than that, taking care of yourself has been something that's new that I've been working on more. Uh, I've been doing meditation, breath work. Uh, I'm trying to get back in the gym more regularly. It's very, mm -hmm. very key. I noticed that I was much happier and I got more work when that was a part of my morning routine. So I'm trying to recycle that back into one of the first things that I do uh, in conjunction with meditation because when you're feeling right and your mind and your body are in a great place, you're able to take more results. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you're putting out a lot of content right now, but is there any content that you are consuming, whether that be podcasts, blogs, YouTube channels, books? I love audiobooks. Hmm. I'm a huge, huge fan of audiobooks. Uh, so the subtle art of not giving a fuck is really, yep. really big. For me, uh, Ray Dalio's Principles is also another favorite. Mm. Um, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People I think is amazing. Um, I'm also a big fan of Lewis House's School of Greatness. Your podcast is great, <laughs> man. I love it. I think it's been really cool that you're doing it while you're in college, which I think is really unique, dude. Not enough people take time in college to try and connect nope. with people in a meaningful way. Not at all. And that's the best thing, dude. Like, it is so much more valuable for you to be asking people questions about these different industries. Yeah. Um, because you're in the best place to learn. You're not yet fully defined to being a certain thing. Um, I also love TV, movies, and film. I watch a lot of new films. Um, I binge watch TV series. <laughs> I think I learn a lot of stuff from that. I'm a big fan of like Billions. It's an amazing drama. Uh, you can learn a lot of stuff about just socioeconomic climates from shows like The Wire. Hmm. Uh, it's viewing things with like an active perception on why people do things. Yeah. How that character moves understanding the psychology of it. And I think that's one of the things that uh, our level of programming and the level of skill that these actors possess really provides to us. 100%, 100%. Well, Ashwin, last thing I want to ask you before we wrap up the show is where can people go if they want to find out more about you and New Hollywood? So we are everywhere on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube as New Hollywood Podcast. Uh, you can just search the word New Hollywood. Uh, we are at New Hollywood on Instagram, and I'm at Ashwin Jacob on everything from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Feel free to friend me. Uh, if anyone wants to shoot me an email, I'm Ashwin, A-S-H-W-I-N, at newhollywood.biz, B-I-Z. Awesome. Um, I'll be sure to link up all of those. Right there. Yeah, I'll put all those in the show notes as well for you guys to check out. Um, Ashwin, any last words of wisdom you have for our listeners? I know you've been dropping a lot of value throughout the entire show, but any last parting words you want to leave with our audience today? Regardless of where you are at or the level of success that you're getting by impacting any of these tips or tricks that I've given you today, realize that you're running your own race. It doesn't matter that I might get more phone calls than you because my phone didn't ring for a long, long time. And one of the things, uh, I'm a big fan of music. I'm a big fan of John Bellion. I listened to a song mm. recently called, um, you know, Conversations with My Wife. And one of the biggest things for me is as much as I complain that my phone rings hundreds of times a day, I love it. I need it. I partially am motivated by it. Mm. Uh, but finding people that love you when your phone doesn't ring and care about you mm. is so key. And taking the time, regardless of your level of success, to enjoy your life today, regardless of how much struggle or how much time you need to invest into it, is important because some of your best business ideas are going to come when you're out skateboarding, when you're hanging out at the beach, when you're taking a day trip with friends. Uh, one of the things I'm going to do this week is I want to go to the San Diego Zoo. No real reason. I just kind of want to experience <laughs> that. I dig it. That. 
And I, I think did. that's fucking awesome, bro. And I think that's <laughs> what we all need to do more of. Yes, man. Oh, well, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you dropping those words of wisdom and inciting John Bellion. Um, is just, he's a legend, man. So um, I really do appreciate it, Ashwin, and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for choosing to spend it here on Young Smart Money. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this latest episode of Young Smart Money and got a ton of value out of it. If you did, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. It only takes about five seconds. If you're walking the dog, if you're going to the gym, pull that phone out of your pocket, press that subscribe button, and uh, drop us some love in the ratings and review sections as well. Those really do help the podcast get in front of even more people and helps us get even more amazing guests on the show. And I do read each and every one of your ratings, reviews, message that you send me. Uh, they, They really do impact me and the show and show me exactly what you want to be seeing here on Young Smart Money. So again, do not forget to drop us a rating, review, and subscribe over in iTunes. And guys, have a wonderful day. Take care. And I really do appreciate you choosing to spend your time here with us on Young Smart Money. Have a wonderful day. Real quick, just launched a new project called the Online Course Examiner, basically the Yelp of online courses. It is blowing up lately, onlinecourseexaminer.com. Check it out.